Hello and welcome to a special movie episode of A Muggle's Perspective. I'm your host, Rogi. I'm, jo- I'm joined by Brayden. Hello. Hey, Brayden. How's it going? It's good. This is a little different because we're quoting in the same room. You'll also note other people in very adjacent rooms are our wives, Hannah and Rachel. And that's uh, some cooking spray, if you heard that. This is this honestly just straight up might not work in terms of background noise. I think it'll be okay. I don't think any of our listeners are going to get that worked up over some background noise. I'm not worried about the listeners getting worked up. <laughs> Jeremy, not, this is just going to be an imperfect that's episode. That's not who I was it concerned just, about. It is what it is. Okay, so as long as we're okay with that, then we can also introduce Cooper. Making his in-person debut in my life. Uh, Cooper's actually doing a great job right now, sitting on the couch, chewing on some rawhide. Just being a good boy. Yeah, we need to relish this moment. It usually doesn't last long. I relish every moment with Cooper. I wish I could say the same. (laughs) So we just finished watching Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. The fifth of eight movies. So, just broad takes. So, this one is the first one directed by David Yates. Mm -hmm, Correct. Um, And you told me after the movie that he directs the rest of them. Yes, including the the fantastical Mm -hmm. fantastical beasts. Is that something like that? Yeah. Is it just fantastic beasts? It's just fantastic. Yeah. Fantastical sounds better. Mm -hmm, It does. It's a word. And I thought that it was just much better. Like just the. Um, cause as we've talked about in previous movie recaps, it is impossible to do these and make everybody happy mm-hmm. and have every detail of the plot line. The books just have too much in them. Um, and this is just one opinion, but I feel like the stuff he chose to leave out, like made sense to me. Like it wasn't that essential. Um, the stuff he did add in the stuff he changed, I wasn't mad about. Like we were just talking about how the entire minute, um, Department of Mysteries scene at the end of the movie is almost completely different. And it didn't really bother me. I still feel like it was pretty well done. Yeah, They have different takes on that. What else was left out? Um, You've got the Cho Chang stuff. Yeah, Cho didn't talk a whole lot Mm -hmm. at all. Again, didn't really bother me. Yeah, I don't feel like it took away from the story. You were never that into the Cho storyline. No. Um, Grop? Grop was interesting. Like, they're... Just his CGI itself, mm-hmm. I guess, is not mm-hmm. what I had envisioned. Oh, interesting. What did you? What were you picturing? I had him, in my mind, more Shrek-like. <laughs> like, he was just like a huge baby human. He was, yeah. He was like a giant nine-year-old Irish boy. Yes. He was wearing, like, Shrek's little weird vest. Yeah, that's true. Um, But, yeah, he was just, like, I guess the way I've read Giants... Excuse me. So far, has been less human-like in my head. I don't know why. Okay, like how Shrek has the ears that are different and yeah. like the different colored skin. And yeah. yeah, I guess I I just I in my head he was like a mixture of a human and a troll, just a giant troll baby, and it was mostly just a giant nine-year-old Irish boy. So. Um. Th- 
I just thought of another storyline that was cut out. Oh, the Rita Skeeter stuff, the Quibbler. Ooh, yeah. The, the parts of the movie where Luna is involved in the plot. We, we did get quite a bit of. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry, Jeremy. We did get quite a bit of Luna Lovegood, mm-hmm. but just no real backstory, like with her dad or the Quibbler. They just turned her into a girl that speaks emotional truths into Harry's life. Hot take, though. Luna was probably my favorite character from this movie. Just like from an acting or casting perspective? Um, <clears throat> yes. The actress, which... Have we talked about the backstory on previous episodes? I don't with, think with so. Her? I mean, so. You never would have seen it. So you talk about that real quick. Okay, so the story goes that when casting went out for the part of Luna Lovegood, this is after the book had come out, like the everything was already big. It was already the Harry Potter conglomerate that it is today. You know, obviously there were thousands of girls that applied and and Ivana Lynch basically just sent in a tape that was like, I'm not apply I'm not I'm not auditioning not to out. be Luna. I'm not trying out. Like you're gonna cast me because I am the embodiment of the Luna Love Good you've already written. Like I as a person already am, so there's no need to like look for anyone else. Which is a bold move. Mm-hmm. And she was one hundred percent right. Yeah. So you hear stories about how JKR changed some of, not necessarily changed, but was influenced by her as a person in, some of, in her acting choices and her like their conversations with how she wrote some of the Luna parts in the seventh book. Yeah, and so like I just really liked. Uh, you said it was Ivana Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she did an awesome job. Like in the, I guess reading the book, I expected Luna Lovegood to be more like dorky. Right. And um, just way more off the wall weird. Yeah. And I liked how the movie portrayed her more as just like mysterious. Like she's really sweet and kind of soft spoken and quiet and also just has this like mysterious side that you don't know what to do with. Yeah. She's more dreamy than she is like goofy. Right. And I, so I, I really liked that. I think that. She wasn't like the most important character in this movie, but I always enjoyed the scenes that she was in. Like I felt like it made it interesting and kind of kept you on your toes. You never are watching this and being like, that's not Luna. Like that's not what Luna would do. It just very much flows. Like even when she would cast spells or whatever, Mm -hmm. just be like, stupefy, I guess. Yeah. It's like tentative. Just kind of passive. Yeah, passive. Dreamy, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Quidditch, we talked about them cutting out off air. Which makes sense. Yeah. Like, in my mind, it would be incredibly expensive to film a well-done Quidditch scene. Mm-hmm. And you got to save a lot of that CGI money for Grop or flying on Thestrals. Yeah, and for the fact that Death Eaters can fly now. Yeah, like, all the the entire fighting scene, everyone, like, apparating all that like it's just like this really neat looking cloud of black smoke that mm-hmm. appears and then like it's a human. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's probably between that grop and the thestrals that I'm sure that ate up the CGI budget pretty quickly. Yeah, it's hard for me to picture like budgeting for a Harry Potter movie, you know, it's kind of like budgeting for Star Wars, you can just do exactly whatever it is that you want because it's going to make the money back. So there's only so much sympathy you have for like the accounting department, but I see Which what you're saying. I'm sure there's also time. <clears throat> Jeremy, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with my throat. Um, get you some tea. At this point, 
I guess, I mean, you would think that Harry Potter had gained enough momentum as a series uh, that their budget probably was bigger. Mm-hmm. But I would also argue the CGI is way better in this movie. So I'm yeah. sure it just like it's kind of one of those the margin stays where it is. Thing. Right. That's true. Um, some of the other like directorial choices we saw. This is the first movie in which we see um, the use of newspaper like montages to push story facts. Like a lot of the Umbridge stuff was just told to us through like a fudge voiceover with a you know a newspaper clipping of her smiling and then a lot of like filch nailing things into walls yeah which i felt like were really smooth transitionally like it was it wasn't because that was something i complained about i think with i forget which movie is just how abrupt all the transitions were and all the changes yeah i think it was goblet of fire Yeah, the fourth one's kind of choppy yeah and that like i felt like I don't mind a little choppiness because it's like just some storylines they just that's how it happens it just jumps to different stuff and there is some of that in Harry Potter but I felt like Goblet of Fire was so like here's the end of a plot line and we're just going to jump over to this one and it felt awkward and so I think the newspaper clippings made this one seamless like it was just one continuous thing and I think the fact that they chose newspaper makes sense for me thematically with there, this is information going out to the wizarding public at large. It's the sort of propaganda smear campaign against Dumbledore. Like newspapers is what it would have been used for that. It kind of emphasizes the political nature of um, what the infighting between like the Dumbledore camp and the Fudge Minister camp in a way that I thought was effective. I agree. Anything else? We talked a lot about how many striped shirts were worn. It was a very stripy movie. Ron and Hermione, I think except for the last scene as they're leaving Hogwarts, are almost exclusively wearing striped shirts. In To quote SpongeBob SquarePants, the best time to wear a striped sweater is all it the time. all the time. Yeah. So they knew what they were doing. Um, any other acting choices, particular lines that stuck out as funny or odd? What was the one during the Occlumency lessons that that Snape said that I didn't really catch? Oh, but he said, I may vomit. Yeah, after looking into Harry's mm-hmm. um, memories. It's just like him hugging Sirius. Yeah, I may vomit. Um, Emma Watson's still really working those eyebrows all movie. Yeah, Rogi jokingly said before the movie, we could easily make a drinking game out of you have to take a drink every time mm-hmm. Emma Watson raises her eyebrows. And after watching this movie, you would just destroy your liver. Yeah. You would just die. Um, a little peek behind the curtain. We had we watched this movie in two different parts. Um, we started watching last night, and it got to be, it was like 11.45, where, you know, two-thirds of the way through... Braden starts nodding off, and Rachel said, Braden, what time did you wake up this morning? And he goes, 5.45. And then we said, Hannah, what time did you get up this morning? And what, was it 4.30? 4, 4.45? She has to leave the house usually by 5.30 to be at the hospital by 6. We're like, guys, we can just finish this in the morning. Yeah, so we did that. And I was like, it's okay, I've got ice cream now. <laughs> I'm awake. Yeah, because this... This podcast would have been generally worthless had yeah. I tried to record post. But we would have gotten some like punch drunk sleepiness in a way that goes along with the concept of a drinking game that I thought 
it would have been at least fun, a little fun. It would have been comical. Yeah, some comedy. We try to stay away from the comedic on this podcast. So that's why we brought you the more serious iteration here in the cold, sober light of morning. Uh, so you're excited about David Yates continuing to direct going forward because you like the directorial choices he made. Cooper's excited. I'll tell you that. Yep. Hey, Coop. Yeah, I, I just felt like with how the story is progressing in terms of like it being a little more adult driven, um, you know, like Harry, Ron and Hermione are definitely growing up and the storyline is becoming way more, um, adult driven and serious. Like you need a director that can handle that. The story's becoming less serious, Braden. It did become a lot less serious. Yeah. This story, unfortunately. Nice. And that's really what I'm worried about most going forward is not any Gary Oldman mm-hmm. anymore. Right. Maybe you'll get like a flashback. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get some memory stuff through Harry and I don't know, there's magic, so who knows if he can like somehow com- still communicate with Sirius through like right. the fire or whatever, but that's probably a slippery slope as a for JKR because then everyone's going to be like back. why couldn't you just talk to James and Lily then yeah the Star Wars problem yep just nobody dying um we talked about wardrobe choices acting choices you uh said that you really liked Helena Bottom Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange in terms of casting I feel like she was the only choice for Bellatrix Lestrange like that just makes sense mm-hmm. If she, she did an awesome job. If she turned that job down, who would you go to next? I don't know. It's It's got to be someone. I mean, because, like, Carter plays dark, weird characters mm-hmm. in almost everything. Like, that's her thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who else is out there that also has that reputation. It's got to be someone old enough to be Sirius's cousin, to be Gary Oldman's cousin. Yeah. I was going to say almost like Anne Hathaway will get weird sometimes, but she's not old enough, I don't think. And I also don't feel like she's like, this is going to sound really harsh, but Carter pulls off this like, almost like dirty kind of right. grungy no, look. No, that's intentional. I mean, she like, was in jail. And I, but I feel like she she can do that for so many roles. Like mm-hmm. she has she's done that in other movies, and I don't know that Anne Hathaway can do that. Okay, now hear me out. What if you cast like Johnny Depp? I'm all for it. Johnny Depp. If you couldn't get Gary Oldman, Johnny Depp is definitely serious black. Oh really? Absolutely. <laughs> He's not just a little too, like fruity weird for like well, he Harry. Can, he can do a lot of different son, things. Savvy. <laughs> he can do a lot. of... It's not like you're he's casting he, Jack he's, Sparrow. Yeah, you're, he's not only Jack Sparrow. See, that's where you and I harshly part ways. <laughs> Have you seen um, what's the very first movie he did where he's like the son of that really fat woman? The very first movie he did. I don't know. I've not seen this movie. I'm gonna just start naming old giant Depp movies I've uh, never seen. I can't. Is reach my it phone. what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Why did you act like you didn't know what I was talking about? I've n- I I just guessed the name of a movie I knew. So you've Johnny not Depp seen that in. movie? No, I've not. Oh, so that would change your mind then on him only being able to be Jack Sparrow. And there's other movies. I have does, seen but. Finding Neverland, and I rejected it as being part of the Johnny Depp canon. 
I've seen he's in the Willy Wonka reboot, isn't he? Yes, he is Willy Wonka. And there, he was behind the eight ball from the beginning for me because if you're not Gene Wilder, then like get off my screen as Willy Wonka is my stance. I grew up with that movie. I felt that way too. And then watching it, I felt like Tim Burton made it Tim Burtonish enough that it was like, yeah, I mean, this is a totally separate movie. Mm-hmm. So, and I would argue that Johnny Depp as Sweeney Todd is just him being Jack Sparrow. Yes. I've never seen Sweeney Todd. Yes. So I get where you're coming from because there is enough of weird Johnny Depp roles out there that it's like, oh, this is just who he is. Lone Ranger. But I'm saying I think he was... Murder on the Orient Express. (laughs) I think he definitely could have pulled off Sirius Black. What about Johnny Depp as... Okay, let me reverse the question. What about Johnny Depp as Snape? What if you... (laughs) What if you cast Orlando Bloom in that role? Yeah, I think that's another one. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I still want to answer the question, though, if you couldn't have... Is it Helena? Helena Bonham Carter? Yeah. Carter? Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham Carter. If you couldn't have her, who would you... What about, like, a Kate Blanchett? I guess you, you can't do the, the dirty vibe. Scarlett Johansson can play anything. She probably could have done all right. Uh yeah, that's probably not the worst choice. After after all the Black Widow stuff with her, it's hard for me to see her as a villain, but I'm sure she could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think of another like grungy kind of weird character. Oh, what's the um? She plays the political advisor on Parks and Rec, and she's the weird girlfriend on Step Brothers. Have not seen Step Brothers. Um, okay, well, you've seen Parks and Rec, and I have. The, the girl that's like really flighty and advises Ben like on his late, campaign, in, like in the late seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I always think she's, she's probably weird enough that she could do it. This, I always think she's the uh, same as a, com- a comedy writer on Twitter, but I don't think she is. Parks and Rec, IMDb. Full cast and crew, this is going to take too long. I don't um, remember her name. but What about other Parks and Rec actresses? Rashida Jones? No. Could not, do, could not be Bellatrix Lestrange. That doesn't make sense at all. Uh, Amy Poehler? I'd, you just, it'd be hard to take Amy Poehler serious. Um, um, Aziz Ansari? What about Shauna Mulway Tweep? <laughs> She's too small. I'm not saying Helena Bottom Carter is big or anything, but like sh- you need to have a solid presence. If you put some like pretty evil looking makeup on her though, and she could do some sort of evil laugh, I think she could do it. Ooh, Aubrey Plaza. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's who we're looking for. Yeah. Probably not old enough, but right. you could make her look old enough. Yeah. And she would she would buy into She's it. She's dark enough, creepy enough. Like, I feel like she would have eaten that up. She was also probably like fourteen when this was being made. But yeah, that's true. She's about our age, I would assume. Trying to find this actress. Oh, that's Shauna Malway Tweep. Uh, Tom's wife, Lucy. No girlfriend. Tom's girlfriend. 
Catherine Hahn. Jennifer Barkley is the name of the character you were thinking of. Mm-hmm. A- what about Amy Adams? <laughs> no. No Amy, Ma- no Emma, Amy Adams. Emma Stone? I know you love Emma Stone. Oddly enough, Emma Stone might have been able to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Which one is Emma Stone? She's um, Scarlet Letter. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, what's her other? She's in The Help. She's she really just good looks, in The Help. She looks like Anne Hathaway to me. What? Her face. Am I thinking of... Uh, I, don't, I don't see that. You just don't think she looks like Anne Hathaway? I don't think so. Hannah, come here. Rachel, come here. Do you guys think Emma Stone looks like Anne Hathaway? What? Emma Stone, the actress. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Do you know who that is? Uh-huh. Do you think she looks like Anne Hathaway? No. Even based on these pictures that I have? When I just Googled Emma Stone? Those are like pretty stark differences. No. I think you're reaching I mean, I understand here. that her hair color is different. You don't think in that picture? Like the eye and eye and face shape. It's just her makeup. It's just her makeup. Okay. <clears throat> so the discussion, Rachel, is if you couldn't have Helena Bonham Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange, who else could do it? We kind of both feel like Aubrey Plaza makes sense, but she would have been like fourteen young. at this point. This was a joke. They were jokes. I mean, I already mentioned that Anne Hathaway was too young. It's got to be someone, like, my thing is he's been throwing out good actresses, and I've been like, I don't think she can pull off, like, the dirty, grungy, evil look like Helena Bonham Carter. The only other person we've been able to come up with that definitely could be, like, grungy and evil is Aubrey Plaza, but also would have been a child. She's um, April on Parks and Rec. Probably. It's all too loud, though. But, yeah, she's also too young. The whole cooking process is too loud, so what are you going to do? No, it's fine. This is a special breakfast edition of. I really Order wish you Phoenix. guys could smell what's happening during this podcast because it's it's. I don't know what that is. It must be sausage. Yeah, I'm enjoying. So Jeremy, it. I realize this is going to be annoying, but I'm also not. Just sorry. don't edit it. Yeah, like it's literally it's special breakfast edition. Mm-hmm. If you, the listener, are upset about the breakfast sounds happening, then howl in and let us know. And that's how we'll prove whether or not this episode had to be edited. If you have strong thoughts on who else could have played Helena Bottom Carter, or whether or not Jack Sparrow is the only role that Giant Depp should be allowed to play, let us know. I'd like to hear thoughts on that. 978-Potter0. 978-768-8. Three seven zero eight three seven zero nine seven eight seven six eight eight three seven zero. Howl in, uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, um, Bumble, LinkedIn. Get us jobs. Both of us are interested <laughs> are interested in jobs. So follow us on LinkedIn. If you and we're being I'm being dead serious. If you have like a work from home job, something on the internet, uh, email us. Yeah. Give me hit, hit me and put that link. I'll send you a resume. Yep. We'll I'm get you taken care of. Pretty interested in that as well. Any jobs in the uh, West Lafayette or Greencastle areas, preferably Greencastle? 
Green in wood. Indianapolis, Greenwood. Greencastle isn't terribly far away from Greenwood. Uh, You've worked in Greencastle before, about though. About an hour and PTSD. 20 minutes. From Greenwood? Yeah. It's not close to anything. It's far enough south that I thought you would just be, have to be going west. Yeah. You're you're at least an hour and 20 minutes from anything good. <laughs> when you're in Greencastle? Yeah. But you're not from Crawfordsville. Like Craw- Well, yeah. So Crawfordsville, Crawfordsville makes like your, you know... 30, 40 minutes from Lafayette and an hour from Indy. So it's kind of like, eh, that works. Get us a job. Let us know what you think about Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, where it falls in the pantheon of the first five movies. No spoilers. What you think of the casting and directorial choices. So Braden would say two thumbs up. Yes. Liked Order of the Phoenix. I liked Order of the Phoenix. Thought it was well done. Thought the music was good. The acting was good. Mm-hmm. Um, stayed awake for the whole thing. Stayed awake for the whole thing. Watched it in one take. This is this is right afterwards. Um, we one thing I wanted to mention, kind of weird timing now, but like Harry is a lot more kempt in this movie. His hair is like styled most yes, of the movie. Yes, a lot more haircuts have occurred. Yeah, like from last movie to this movie. Like Ron's hair looks better. Mm-hmm. Hermione's hair looks better. I Hermione's whole outfit and vibe is maybe my favorite of the series. Really? I like the gray like the sweater with polos? the different stripes. Yeah. No, the short polos I associate more with the third movie for some reason. I like Yeah, I like that sweater that she wears for the last like quarter of the movie. Mm-hmm. Sport coat Harry as they're mm-hmm. leaving Hogwarts mm-hmm. probably oh, yeah. the best dressed it's, Harry we've fly. seen. Mhm. I don't understand why they're wearing so many layers in June. Neville is just layered up and down the coast, but yeah, that's another thing I learned for another during um, this movie is at one point uh, I think Neville's looking into the mirror talking about Bellatrix um, as one does torturing his parents, and uh, Rogie just kind of leans over to Rachel and is like, "I think he was still wearing the fat suit at this point," and I just look at him like, "What?" and Apparently, mm-hmm. uh, the actor that plays Neville, which I don't know his name. His name's Matt Lewis. Matt Lewis is a, uh, a evidently very hunky, mm-hmm. super just handsome, Yeah, generally agreed upon attractive man. Yeah. And literally too attractive mm-hmm. for the role of Neville. Yeah. So they like make him wear a, a fat suit. They kind of like... Buck teeth. Buck teeth. You said they do things like with his... Face, yeah, like I think, the makeup I think part and stuff of the fat to, suit is like on his face. Yeah, um, and he showed me pictures of the guy like now, and yeah, I mean that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's a good-looking guy. Yeah, should have had him play Harry. Yeah, it was just kind of. It's just funny then, like how the casting went because Hermione's supposed to be more dorky-looking. Yeah, and so they've kind <laughs> Unsuccessful. of unsuccessful. Like, yeah, and then Neville, like, why didn't you just pick mm-hmm. someone more dorky-looking then? Um. I think Ron's pretty successful. He's He stays tall and redheaded. Ron makes sense. Fred and George make sense. Mm-hmm. Did you know Fred and George aren't natural redheads in the movie? Yeah, didn't you say the they're Phelps like blonde? Twins. Yeah. Yeah. They are the most identical looking twins I think I've <laughs> ever seen. And they sound, their voices sound the same. Yeah, there's just nothing Never. different. Moral fiver. Uh, yeah, we'll take orange juice, Rachel. That's fine. We're having pancakes though, right? So there's going to be some milk involved, too. Yeah. Both orange juice and milk. Mix, Just mix them up in the same glass. We'll have some orange juice milk. I think I'll vomit. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. 
This has been a short episode of Muggle's Perspective. Stay tuned later today, which is a meaningless distinction for you, for the second Half-Blood Prince episode. This is going to occur at just a different point in the timeline, so there's no point. But uh, yeah, we're going to record again later today. So see you soon. See you.